You're listening to episode 259 of the Mindfulness-Based Weight Loss Podcast with me, Lucia Holly. Welcome to the Mindfulness-Based Weight Loss Podcast, the show for women like you who have tried restrictive diet after diet and are ready for simple, thoughtful solutions to help you sustainably lose weight for the last time from a place of abundance and peace. If you're looking to end the yo-yo of comfort eating and rigid weight loss protocols, and instead step into living your life mindfully on your terms while losing weight in the process, you're in the right place. Hey, 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 party people. Welcome, welcome to the show. Today, I have an interview with a peer of mine in this health and wellness coaching space, Deanna Schober. And you know, I I know I really all, almost always say this with interviews I, when they're with clients or, you know, other really just wonderful folks that I want to get on the show to share their stories or their viewpoints. But truly, the time flew by with Deanna, and I think you're all really going to enjoy both her viewpoint in terms of how she views diet culture and how she helps her clients who are women um, to not only ditch the diet culture, but if they have body composition goals, the weight, how it comes off um, without that overwrought focus on dieting and striving and all of those emotions that diet culture just perpetuates. So I think you're going to love hearing how her approach works in terms of ditching diet culture, as well as her story and her husband's story. It's a super special story that I felt really honored that she would come on the show and share. So let me just get into the interview because it's really great. And I know that you'll have a lot of takeaways because I sure did. And I hope to have Deanna on the show again, because I think she and I could really go into some intricacies and nitty gritties when it comes to navigating diet culture. Because guess what? Diet culture isn't really going anywhere in terms of us just being out in the world. That message is continually perpetuated. It is what it is, but what we do have control over and what we are in charge of is our relationship, not only to ourselves, but how we relate to diet culture and how we move from a place of being reactionary into a place of reflection. So without further do let's jump into the episode all right hi Deanna I'm just so thrilled to have you here again we get another hour together so welcome, I know welcome. thank you so much for having me it's I'm getting to know you very well <laughs> I know I love <laughs> it so uh for everyone to get to know you well let's just dive in and hear a little bit about your backstory how you've come into this arena as a coach and helping women both kind of reclaim, I mean, not kind of like a hundred percent reclaim their relationships with food while also moving towards, you know, body composition changes. So mm-hmm. let's just jump in with your story. Okay. Well, um, yeah, I, I think that like passion comes to mind immediately. Like I'm, I'm not just, I think that like this is anytime that you've been through something, traumatic, which is exactly my story. It was a very traumatic uh, situation with food and um, exercise. You end up wanting to do whatever it takes to make sure that no one else goes through it. And I know that when we talked, you had a very similar story, but I grew up in diet culture as most of us did. Um, Never really had like a weight issue. It was more like an obsession pretty early on with the societal ideal. And I am 46 years old, which means I am Gen X and I grew up in the nineties and we had really messed up role models. (laughs) Like our role models in the nineties, especially were like 
you know, it was heroin chic and Cindy Crawford and uh, what was her name? Kate Moss and um, nothing tastes as good as skinny feels. Like these were things that we regularly said to each other. And uh, it was not just me. It was every single one of my friends. This was a major thought of ours. And that's, it's, that's how it started. My mom was caught up in it. My grandmother was caught up in it. You know, I remember being very, very young, weighing out our food on her Weight Watcher scale, mm. um, tracking that kind of thing. And so this was just my normal for the longest time. I think the first time that it's, uh, started to get problematic was when I was, I was, uh, moving to a new school where I didn't know anybody and I had joined the drill team to make friends. And I had found out that one of the first things we were going to do was weigh, and we were doing it in a line because with the drill team, you're supposed to have uniform bodies, I guess. I don't know. Why do you have to God. in ninth grade? <laughs> like, Seriously. Ninth grade. But anyways, and you know, the uniform body was also a very specific type of body and we all were in line and everybody could see what everyone else was weighing. And so I knew that this was coming up. All my friends were talking about it. And so I experimented with just super restrictive eating, which then led into not eating. And I held on to that as long as I could. Um, and then had that like high of getting on the scale in front of everyone and like being having accomplished what I wanted to accomplish and then kind of the cycle was born at that point um so went into my 20s after that um I I recovered from that but not really like I I stopped doing it it mm -hmm. was really all that happened um I stopped doing it and then I got into my 20s where um I got married really young started having kids really young and was trying to recover from each pregnancy by dieting. And so I was just yo-yo dieting. My entire twenties was just one big yo-yo diet. And it was like this constant battle between wanting to have my old body, have a smaller body, but then also loving food and also using food as a way, like my only source of stress relief, my only source of fun and pleasure. I was young and had kids and was, um, trying to get through school and trying to get through, um, being in a marriage that was not happy, you know, but because I got married so young, um, it was just a lot. And I was dealing with food and then just so back and forth on the yo-yo diet cycle. Um, this is a really long story. Sorry. I love <laughs> I swear. this story. You keep okay. going. People, whenever people tell their story, they're always like, Oh, it's a little long. I'm like, no, <laughs> We're here to hear the story. So I want to hear all going. of it. Okay. Okay. Cause it is really interesting because, um, I ended up, um, in a divorce with my first husband. We had three kids together and around that same time, my dad came down with a, came down with, he had a brain tumor, went through a really bad search. It was just a, a, a tough time. Um, I met my husband who I'm married to now, who hosts the podcast with me and is my, my co-founder of our company built daily. Um, I met him at like coming out of all of that. So that's important. I was a mess like, when I met him and had just come, gone through like all this trauma. And I also was really insecure after everything I'd been through in my first marriage and met him. And he was really into the bodybuilding lifestyle. He wasn't a bodybuilder. He wasn't like, he wasn't getting on any kind of stage and doing like competitions or anything like that, but he 
was into looking like those guys and doing yep. what they do. Yeah. And so I met him. I latched onto that as a way to manage my insecurity about my body. I was so scared that I was going to like gain the weight back that I had had in my twenties and, um, lose him. There was like so much going on behind the scenes. So we fell into a pretty bad disordered eating pattern and it come to find out he was actually not just doing the bodybuilding stuff, but he was in, it was causing a binge eating disorder for him. Mm. So he was massively in this eating disorder when we met and that was influencing me. Um, he would do like a 12 week, he would, they call it a cut in bodybuilding, you know, like oh, the 12 week totally. cut, you know, oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> yep, you're, yep. you heard about the cut. So they would do a 12 week cut and then he would like, he'd look, it never fail. He'd like, look to me and he'd be like, do you want to go to the store? And I'd be like, yes. And it was like time to break the rules. And so we would go to the store and we would buy all the stuff that we hadn't been, hadn't been letting our, us ourselves have and would binge on it. And, and it would just be like epic. We would go to buffets and I mean, it was just so nothing like I'd ever experienced before. And we were doing it together. Now for him, it was much more extreme. He would, I, where I would do it for the weekend and then I would get right back to restricting. He would do it for a month straight and he was putting on a pound a day to where he would gain 30 pounds in a month, which is, you know, for him was huge. Um, and it was just really unhealthy, really disordered. All that to say is that we woke up to it. Finally, we kept trying to treat, we, we realized that it was a problem um, he kept trying to treat his, his binge eating as if it was an addiction to food. And it kept getting worse because of that, because he was trying like sugar sobriety and junk food sobriety. And that just, for whatever reason, it just seemed to make it more intense and worse. And we finally found a book about overcoming binge eating disorder. And not only did it say not to treat it that way, but it helped him to overcome that pattern. It helped me to overcome my patterns. And that just woke us up to something like, this is not right. This is wrong. And everything that we have been, you know, everything that we thought about food is wrong. Everything that we thought about our bodies is wrong. It was just so much going on. Um, and so during all of this, we were, we were starting to heal and we had started a fitness company because we were so into it. Um, it was called coach calorie and you may have heard of us at the time because we ranked number one on Google and like, it was a huge website and we were taking on clients and assigning them macros and meal plans and those kinds of things to help them lose weight. And so we're healing and, and getting out of the binge restrict cycle. And we're putting our clients on these strict plans and some of them are losing weight, but then they're coming back three months later because they can't stick to it. Some of them are like, they could do it at, during the day, but they can't do it at night. And they're, they could do it during the week. Can't do it. It was like all the same problems that we were experiencing just on a different scale. And they were, um, also we noticed a lot of like, I want to lose weight because it's everything. Like it's, it was just, it meant, especially with women, that was the biggest thing that we were seeing was like, this is everything. Um, it it's my entire identity. They weren't saying these things, but it was yeah. just like, there was like so much on a pedestal. Yes. And it was so, it was so intense. And because of that, if they weren't getting results fast enough or things weren't changing fast enough, then they were so much more likely to be, do extreme things. And it was just very, we were just recognizing all the things that had we were trying to heal from were still happening, but just on a smaller scale with all our clients. And so 
after a good period of time of kind of waking up to that and healing from it um, and discussing this over sushi every week, week, that's what we would do. um, We decided to walk away from coach calorie, completely change directions. We left behind the number one Google search, you know, and like, it was just really hard to do, but we couldn't do it anymore. We realized that it wasn't working. Um, and we, we rebranded and now what we do is work from the inside out. So we start with with healthy relationship with food, body, exercise, and mind, and we, um, make little tweaks that we call calibration and allow for weight loss to happen naturally as a side effect of healing those relationships. So it's, that's a really long (laughs) story to get to how we ended up here, but, um, it was, it was a big journey from beginning to end. Yeah. So it really was a huge, and I love, you know, I think it is so you, and not unique in terms of no one else, but I think in terms of people who are in health and wellness kind of fitness culture, it is so unique how both you and your husband, Tony, right? How yes. you went through this journey together. Yeah. Right. And had so many kind of, it sounds like shared values. And then both around the same time, we're like, wait, our values are now shifting. OMG. What Mm -hmm. we were teaching people was in that old value system. And now we have a new value system. And how strong of both of you to be like, let's change focus. Ranking on Google is no small feat. (laughs) So hard to do. Yeah. Yeah. And it was like, it was interesting because it was like, he would like make a move and I'd be like, oh, I'm not sure. And then I'd make a move and he'd be, it was just like, we were always two steps behind each other, but it was so helpful to have each other through that process. And we were definitely big influences on each other for the good and for the not so good. (laughs) (laughs) And what would you say now? And I know you can't speak to his relationship with food, but like if you were to, you know, kind of share a bit about the feeling behind your relationship to food now, now that you've put in this type of work, right. And kind of in this process of the inside out instead of the outside. And how would you describe it these days? Well, so it used to be I lived to eat. I lived, I was constantly like looking at the clock to see when is the next time I get to eat. I was always thinking about what I'm going to eat tomorrow. If we were going to a party, how am I going to navigate this? What am I going to be able to eat? What's on plan? What's off plan? It was just constant. It was food obsession. It was just, a, a, I would say, say from preoccupation with food, maybe like early on to full-blown obsession at towards the end of it versus now I have a a very healthy relationship with food where I really only think about food when I'm hungry and there's no like, should I eat this? Should I not eat this? I can eat anything I want. So I, it's very easy to like, just make very logical decisions. Now. Um, I actually was scared going through this process that if I wasn't really strict about everything that I ate, that I was just going to gain a ton of weight. And and I was willing to do that because I was so tired of everything that I had gone through. Um, But in in reality, it turned out to be the fastest way for me to make the healthy decisions that I want to make and make nutrient dense foods feel easy and not, and not feel out of control with sugar or ice cream or anything that I want to eat. It's, it was the fastest path to me getting doing exactly what I wanted, what I thought was discipline, (laughs) you know, like what I was trying to force is actually very organic and easy. Yeah. And so the way to it was through it instead of around it or over it or behind it. 
I would say it, it, the way to it was like, try, not trying to force it mm-hmm. and getting understanding, I think why that doesn't work with food. It doesn't, it, it can work. I think, um, you know, we were trying to put the addiction label on it. And I think that you, sometimes you can white knuckle through cravings and white knuckle through things like that, but with food, it doesn't work because it's just so it's everywhere. Like you can't get away from food, um, and you have to eat. Yeah. So, um, it was, instead of white knuckling and forcing, it's just, I have all sorts of options. Do I, what kind of side effect do I want from this one meal and not make that decision for the, for the rest of the day, the rest of my life, even just that one meal, how do I want to feel? And, um, that was the big change, I think. Yeah. And so then kind of honing into that one meal to me, to me, what I'm hearing too, is that there is this like, you know, amount of mindfulness and presence Mm -hmm without yes. having, cause it is, it's so common, especially when we're stressed out, our brains are going to go to the past and maybe comparing yes. what we're doing to the past or yes. to the future and try to put all this like pressure on ourselves to motivate or be disciplined, like you were saying. So do you feel like that, that resonates where it is this like just one day, one meal, one breath, even right. We're feeling that monkey on our back, one breath at a time where we're just going one step at a time. Yeah, exactly. Uh, in fact, that's why our program, we renamed it, rebranded to Built Daily, mm-hmm. because the idea is like, you don't live for this, you know, 12 weeks away weigh in or tomorrow's weigh in or, or whatever. You're completely present and thinking about like, you are never going to go wrong if you are meeting your needs of the moment and staying present and just waking up and saying, what's the next right thing for me right now? what's the next right thing for me today, this week, and not living for this future outcome. Um, I think that that was the, where we were constantly going wrong is if if you're living for this outcome of the future, even if you reach it, it's a moment and it it's gone, you know? (laughs) And so if you're not enjoying the journey, what's the point, you know, we, we have to, to live this way for the rest of our lives. And so we might as well um, be present in each and every decision that we make and be joyful and mindful with those decisions. And that really has been the secret to calming the brain down and just being able to make all those choices that you want to make. It takes the pressure off, I think. Yeah. Ooh, taking the pressure off. And isn't that so beautiful then when we can practice, oh, I can make these decisions without it coming from pressure or discipline or motivation. Yeah. I mean, I think it's your best chance. I think it's your best chance of (laughs) of being able to do that without the pressure. If you, I mean, you can force yourself to do anything long or short term, but what's going to work for the long term is having that getting out of the pressure cooker. None of us is good. Really, honestly, (laughs) if you really think about it, it's good under pressure. Yeah. No, no, exactly. And so kind of in your philosophy or structure, like kind of to the program and what you two chat about, there are four different sections Mm -hmm. or main pillars. What can you describe those a bit? Yeah. So we work on your relationship with food, your body exercise and your mind, which is your relationship with your mind is just another way of saying your mindset. Um, it's it's getting you out of a diet mindset, which people like, they don't, they're not necessarily on diets. People know, I think at this point they're starting to wake up that diets are not, they don't work and they're not good for you, but they don't realize that even them trying to get healthier, Um, they're still in that diet mindset because it's all they've ever known. That's all we've ever been taught to operate with food and exercise is to force behavior change and to 
you know, white knuckle through those changes and try to force them. Um, and that's all they've ever been taught and they don't know a different way. So, um, we heal each of those relationships. We work on them separately. And then once you are in, we actually have, um, you know, a number that we try to quantify those things with where you take an assessment and we're trying to bring your number up. And the higher your number is, the more we call it your ideal body, which is Mm. just, it's not your societal ideal. It's not your, um, goal body even. It's just the body that you're in. It's your naturally healthiest weight whenever those four relationships are healed. Mm, I love that. That's such like, it's still a really mind-blowing concept for a lot of people, especially because I always think too, and I want to ask you how you would define diet culture, but I Mm -hmm. also feel like part of the liberation is like stepping out of really saying, yeah, a specific body shape that I'm aiming for, or my college weight or my high school weight, which are like such common, you know, throwbacks for people that isn't necessarily representing my balanced wellness. And I think that is such a mindset shift for people to really go from strive, strive, strive to like, oh, this actually can be way more simple. It is supposed to be enjoyable. It doesn't mean it won't have moments of being difficult, right? When we're moving towards feeling more balanced in our wellness. But I think it's just, we. I feel like when I look at my clients too, it's almost that daily reminder of like, yeah, no, this gets to be good. Because the one way I learned it, it was like really pretty crummy when I learned it that way. Like it gets to be this way. How amazing. It's just incredible. Yeah. And I think that you said, um, the, the same thing that I said when you were on my podcast about your client saying, this is too, this feels too easy. <laughs> <laughs> and I just had somebody say that to me again today. Yeah. I, told you they, I hear that all the time and it really is. It's supposed to feel easy. Like when you do it right, diet culture makes it hard. Um, they make it so, it, it, so you feel like you're doing something, which yeah. is like, uh, it's very, you gravitate towards that feeling when you feel desperate and if you're in diet culture, then you feel desperate because they make you feel as if if you don't have this one body type, that it's the worst thing that a human being could be, (laughs) you know, like it's the worst thing that you could do to not, I I remember having a conversation in my mentorship program with women and just the concept of like, I don't know what to do if I'm not trying to lose weight. I thought like my whole life I've been trying to lose weight. I've never done anything else, but try to lose weight. Mm -hmm. And the irony of that is the harder that you try to lose weight, the more difficult it is to actually lose weight. So our clients are, are losing weight, but it's by side effect. It's just this, this thing that's happening in the background while they are getting present with their needs and healing those relationships with food, but diet culture is all we've ever known. And so if you don't feel like you're like trying hard and working hard and making, and you mentioned like those really like successful women. This is like a a very common thing of that. They feel is that they've kind of really pushed hard to get through school and pushed hard in their career because they've had to. And then they're trying to take that same mindset into like, because they've been taught to with diet culture, but it doesn't work. It doesn't work at all. No. And I think there can be a big identity. I don't want to say shift, but almost like either reawakening or reckoning when you're like, oh, it wasn't bad that maybe to get through school or, you know, to do something in my life, like I pushed, 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 doesn't mean it was bad that I did that, but what's worked there or worked there got me through. It's like diving into a bag of potato chips when you've had a really hard day. 
to me, I always say it's like that was adaptive in that moment because you did yes. the best you could with the information you had and your, you Absolutely. know, kind of like ability to tap into your nervous system. Great. Don't focus on like, oh, yeah. but why did I do that? Focus mm-hmm. on cool. You all of this got you to this present moment. Now, what would you like to do? This is why I love you because this is like exactly what this is. Our exact philosophy is like getting it. It's not about beating yourself up and it's not about, you know, one of the first um, steps in our emotional eating framework is like, thank your body and thank your brain that you came up with a tool and a solution to help you through because life is hard. Being human is hard. A lot of people formed emotional eating issues when they were, going through trauma and this saved you. It it like literally kept you alive and dying from dying from stress. Like that's amazing. And we're just trying to not beat yourself up for that because like, why, you know, like why see it that way? It was an amazing thing that happened, an amazing thing that occurred. Um, You know, our whole philosophy is like, you're never beating yourself up. You're just trying to understand. And you're trying, the more you can understand and the more you can become self-aware, the more you can make tweaks and changes and get through, get down to the actual root of why you're doing these things. And once you get down to the root of it, you can change it. Yeah. Oh, mic drop right there. (laughs) (laughs) So tell me, how would you, how would you define diet culture? You know, because here, the reason I'm asking this is I've kind of, I mean, I won't go on a huge tangent here, but. I do feel like sometimes a lot of us assume that we all are looking at diet culture in the same way, but I think there's variation there. I think there's mm-hmm. a little bit of individuality. So how would you define diet culture? Oh, that's a good question because I think I know what you're going at here. And yeah. I think, I think that I agree with you. Um, the, I think that diet culture kind of worships smaller bodies or really honestly, just any body type, um, smaller bodies. Yes. But also just the idea that we should all conform to one body, no matter what size that is. Um, and that is everything that we do is based around that. It's also the idea that health equals weight, which I don't think that's just too black and white. It's just not that simple. Um, it's the sacrifice and any kind of forced behavior change where you're not really getting down to the root of what you're doing. It's, um, uh, body hate that you're trying to fix. You're trying to feel better about your body by fixing it by mm-hmm. with weight loss and, and losing weight rather than the idea, you know, what we are promoting is to take care of your body because you love it regardless of the size that, it, mm-hmm. that it's in. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of black and white thinking, a lot of rules, a lot of, um, you know, going against human psychology, which is like pretty much all of it. And, um, it's just everywhere it's in healthcare. It's in, um, you know, obviously media and our whole lives has been everywhere in media, but, um, it's very destructive, I think, to those relationships. Yeah. Yeah. And when we're in that destructive mindset, something that I think about too, which I would love to hear your opinion on, is that I I think there's so much of a, how do I want to put it? Like, I think the coaching aspect is so helpful and you coach in groups, right? Or the, the clients are able to kind of interact or see that other people are going through the same process because diet culture, because it is everywhere still, and maybe kind of the trends of it change over time. But like, I would say like, it's like we're a 
tea, like we're steeping in tea, like diet culture yes. tea, like a big mug of it. Yes. So when we take ourselves out, I also feel like it's human nature to be like, this is bad or isolating, even if it feels yes. good, even if I'm now nourishing myself, even if I'm now like done with the long, intense cardio or the, you know, the man, we could do a whole episode on bodybuilding culture, like totally with yes. all that stuff. But how do you navigate or just what are your opinions on when people are like, I know this is the healthier, holistically way to go to actually like respect my body and, you know, create these habits that are loving and supporting, but it feels scary or I'm alone or like this is going against the grain of our culture and that feels weird. What do you notice there or just share with me about that? Well, I think that one of the first things to happen when you ditch diet culture and you take yourself out of it is the the instinct. And I see a lot of this out there is to just react to diet culture, you know, and to just like, okay, no more salads, no more working out at all. And, and I think that you have to play that out too, right? You have to kind of go through that to really figure out what it is that you really want um, because it is sort of a reaction, but you also don't want to stay there. It's more of a rebellion and it's not, it's still reacting. It's still letting something else have that power and that control over you because you're just doing the opposite of what you've been told. And so taking that autonomy back and figuring out what you want. And it was really weird for me because my life ended up looking very similar to how it did in diet culture, (laughs) just without all the ups and downs. Like I went right back to, you know, when I gave myself permission to eat, it was fun for a few days to have chicken tenders at lunch, but yes. then it started to feel horrible and it wasn't so exciting anymore. And I knew they weren't going away. So I went back to salads and <laughs> fruits and vegetables. So, um, you know, it's, I think that it takes some work to reassociate yourself with the things that you have associated with diet culture in the past and to have, you know, come to, from a place of autonomy. I've also seen that community, one of the reasons um, that our program, it's one-on-one, but it's also group. And we have a big emphasis on the group is that sense of community is so important to helping you to reform these new associations and to make the, this new value system and to create this new value system. Because you do, coming out of it, you're just like, I don't know. Like, I know I don't want to diet anymore. I know I don't want to be in that, but I don't know what else to do instead. Like, how do I what do I eat? How do I do this? And so having that support from other people and just really getting into any kind of a community where everybody has similar goals to you and similar experiences and they relate to you. It's so it's magical. It just really is. You've got like everyone who's there is a mirror to you. You can see yourself in them, which helps you because now with a mirror, you don't have the blind spots that you have when you're by yourself. Um, and you're inspired and it just makes it cool to, you know, be doing these new things and and creating these new value systems. Um, I've, I've seen, you know, I, I started off with groups by accident. It was just like a budget friendly way to have people come coach with me, but I quickly incorporated it into everything that I did because I saw the power of of the group and the community. I think that's really important. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I feel like diet culture really does try to, I almost call it like the siren song of diet culture. Mm-hmm. It's like, you're alone. This is your problem. It's your body that's messed up. No one else is dealing with this problem. Right. Or if they are like you're worse and it just yep. like continues that horrible thought cycle, which I always tell people too, like diet culture is just a set of thoughts. 
that other people mm-hmm. have given us and we've perpetuated because we feel that pressure to believe the thoughts or that the thoughts are powerful. Yes. So it is, it's that unwinding and remembering that like, no, actually <laughs> a lot of people have been fed this really crummy message that yeah. doesn't have to apply. And whether that takes multiple days or weeks or months of practicing the newer mindset, settling into it, or mm-hmm. I'd like to hear your opinion on this. Sometimes those changes can like happen in an instant. Like when we have a really powerful insight, it can like yeah. change our whole, you know, uh, frame of mind. Mm-hmm. And I've seen that happen I, with certain people. I, a lot of, I always hesitate to say this because then people come into the program and they're like, okay, I'm ready for that overnight change. <laughs> and I'm like, usually it doesn't happen that way. But I yeah. usually everybody at least has that one moment where they're just like, oh, okay, this is all coming together. And it's usually after kind of immersing yourself and not really understanding it, like, or you think you understand it, but you're not, you're not all there. And it's like, I always say it's like lining up the dominoes. And then all of a sudden somebody says something and it just all clicks and falls into place and all the dominoes fall down. And then it's like, oh, okay. I totally get this now. (laughs) So we, we see that pretty often. I know um, Tony's had that experience with himself with Mm -hmm. emotional eating where it was his mom passed away Mm -hmm. and his initial instinct was to go back to eating. Cause I, we consider him to be in recovery, not necessarily like he doesn't binge anymore, Um, but he is in recovery from that. And so that was his initial thought, but the way that she passed away and the circumstances of that was so shocking to him that he like quit. He was able to work through his emotions in that moment rather than to, um, turn to food for the first time in a really long time. And it was really amazing to see. And he was like, how can I bottle this for our program? (laughs) (laughs) How can other people experience this insight? And that's interesting Uh too, because I I feel like insights are, they're so personal and individual. And it is almost that release of control, even as a coach, right? Like we can offer the information and the container and the space, but we never know what moment it might be. Because how could we for someone else to be like, holy cow, my own mic drop moment. Everything now makes sense. Like it all clicks. It's really individual. Has this ever happened to you with a client before where you're telling them something like the thing that they need to know, like you're telling them that this over and over and over again, you've said it, you've had this conversation with them so many times. And then all of a sudden they'll hear it again and they'll tell you and they'll be like, I just had this amazing insight. And it's like word for word, everything that you've been telling them. hundred <laughs> percent. Like, oh, oh no, I hadn't thought of that. <laughs> totally. It's yes. so funny, but that's how it happens. We don't realize that the layering is happening of information is happening in our head. Um, and then something just sets it off. And the, the, for whatever reason, the neurons, you know, come together and you have that epiphany. Yes. I love it. Yes. That totally happens. Or, you know, on social media too, I know as a coach, you know, it's, it's always like, what's the new information I can give someone. And really in this last year or two, for me personally, it's just been like, I'm going to say the same things over and over and over and actually allow that to be really powerful because that does what you just described happens so, so often. You're like, I'm saying the same things. (laughs) It seems boring. It's not giving me as a coach, a dopamine hit, you know, but it is. Yeah. That's That's exactly how we feel. That's exactly how we like have approached our podcast. It's like, we've talked about body image so many times, but I do feel like every time we say it, there's just a little bit, something new in there, a, a, a little different perspective. And it just never fails that somebody's like, that's the first time that you said that, that I really understood it. And you just have, it's just repetition. It really 
is what needs to happen for brains to change. And what would you say to, because there can be those moments where it's like, it's all kind of building up and then we have the big insight and then it's like, aha, the, you know, dam breaks or whatever. But what about the people who feel like, oh no, I've slipped back into my old habits mm-hmm. and they start mm-hmm. to kind of perseverate on that. Will, will you speak to that a bit? Yeah. I mean, I think that that can happen pretty often. And it, I, most of the time when something like that is happening, they have it, they have either removed themselves from the new, more positive environment where it, that's supporting the new beliefs and the new values. Um, which is one of the reasons with our clients, we have a like for lifer place where they go, like they have a community where they can stay engaged because it's diet. Like you said, it's everywhere. We live in diet culture. So it's very easy to slip back into it because it's, it's everywhere. I like, I had a, a a trigger happen to me two days ago because Mm. of an, I was on Instagram, which I know better, Lucia. I know better. (laughs) We always know better. That logical brain is like, I took myself off of Instagram for this reason. I was back on it and some stupid ad came up and I was like, you know, like there was just this part of my brain that was like, Oh, that's interesting. And I was like, what am I doing? But so it's everywhere. And so we have to, um, I think that that's important. And I think that, um, just when you, I tell my clients, if you fall back into those old thought patterns and those old behaviors, it's the same thing as if you ate out of, if, as if your eating was out of control, you don't hate on yourself. We, I have a, a famous in my community saying, don't hate, investigate, that mm. you'll never forget it. Yeah. And though so we don't hate, we investigate, we look back and we're like, what's going wrong. Um, if you beat yourself up over something like that and you're perseverating, then you're just getting your brain tied up in knots and you are not going to get anywhere with it. Guilt and shame doesn't really do anything for you in this particular situation. Um, but investigating how you ended up back there and then kind of walking yourself back, um, it's important to never see those moments as failures either, because if you see it as a failure, then that's a, that's about you. That's a, a, a personality problem or a, a personal problem, which, you know, that's, you can't solve that, but you can solve um, the problem. If you think of it in terms of there is no failure, there's just like, I was off course and I just brought myself back back to, you know, my car was steering off the road and I just <laughs> gently steered myself going straight again. Yeah. Yeah. There's is that how wrong? you, yeah, there's nothing wrong with the car. There's nothing wrong with me as a driver. So right. I think diet culture a hundred percent makes us feel like everything is super duper personal and that we have yes. to personalize every single thing. And if we don't, then we're not trying hard enough. I use right. the term striving a lot because that's what that energy feels like. It's like, yeah. I'm being so good. This is how I've done things before in other areas of my life. Why isn't it working quote unquote for me in here? Yeah. Right. And then we just continue that energy versus being like, mm-hmm. oh, okay. I can course correct. It's probably like yes. a degree. <laughs> it's not dramatic and yeah. it's okay for me to reflect on that without reacting to it. And even if I do react, it's like, I always tell people it gets really meta because it's like, well, you can reflect yeah. on your reaction. You can yes. do that too. And it might be a couple <laughs> layers of that, but even then nothing's gone wrong. Like that's the beauty of it. I love that. It's meta. It is yeah. very meta. It's so meta. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. So where, where can we find you? I, of course, will link you all up in the show notes so people can hop over there. But where can we find you and your husband and just, you know, the program and your podcast? Where can we find you at? 
Well, so I put together um, an easy link for your listeners. It's just builtdaily.com slash Lucia. And so they can click on that and go right to a free training that we do about how to heal your relationship with food, body, exercise, and mind. If you're interested in that, um, it'll take you through kind of our main philosophies and, and how we can help you. Our podcast is fitness and sushi, and that's me and my husband. And we talk about every single one of those relationships, um, in depth on that podcast. Uh, again, these, this whole idea came from our sushi dates. So, um, it's just a very casual, you know, conversational podcast between he and I with both of us laughing a lot. Cause he's pretty funny. <laughs> um, and that's, I mean, I, like I said, I'm on Instagram, but like, you're going to be bored. Cause I'm never there Perfect. anymore. So yeah. It's just better to go watch the training and to come listen to our podcast. Amazing. Um, and thank you for the special link. I will add that in too. Last thing, is there, are there any takeaways that you would just want people to know, or just, you know, a parting message for folks who are listening, who are maybe in that spot of that shaming or blaming or feeling like, oh my God, it's so easy to guilt trip myself and write back in diet culture. Well, what would you share with them? I would say that you're not alone. 97% is the estimate, the estimate of how many people fail after trying to go on a diet or are in a diet mindset at your you're normal. You're not abnormal. Even though you've been told your whole life that the problem is you, the problem is not you. The problem is the system. It's like somebody gave you this broken system and told you here, go do this amazing thing with it. And you're like, I'm doing it and I can't, it's broken. (laughs) You know, you don't realize it's broken, but they have convinced you that it's a you problem. It's not a you problem. You are completely normal. And the sooner that you can learn that and learn how to approach your body, your health, your food, all of those things um, from this new place of self-care and self-exploration and self-investigation, the happier you'll be, the healthier you will be. I mean, it will just change every aspect of your life. We've you know, seen people go through this process who have um, gone back to school and done all sorts of amazing things, healed their relationships with their spouse. So it's, it's incredible. And, um, the problem is not you. The problem is diets. Yeah. It's kind of a win, 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 win. Yeah. <laughs> Exponential <definitely>. wins. <laughs> Exponential. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming on the show. The time really did fly by I know. and I just appreciate yeah. your message and you openly sharing about your own journey. Cause that's, you know, that's never easy. Even when we say it and we repeat it, I think it's just, it's one of those things where it's like, again, the diet culture, if we're just, you know, going to put the bow on it, we feel like it's only us. And then we come to learn, all right, there might be some things that are very different or very unique, but actually a lot of us, 97% have this really very commonly shared experience. So thank you. For, Absolutely. Thank you for sharing your story. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Hey, if you love today's show, I'd love for you to take a minute and give a rating with a review. If you too are ready for more women to make life choices from loving mindfulness, that means we need more women listening to this message so they know it's available to them and they can do it too. And if you're ready yourself, come coach with me, where we'll work together and you'll learn how to take this process to the next level in your wellness goals, life desires, and beyond. Go to luciahawley.com, that's L-U-C-I-A-H-A-W-L-E-Y.com to connect.